When Joe was talking about change, I'm thinking about one thing I'd like to see change is the weather. Um, I'm tired of ice. I'm tired of the snow. Um, it's not helping my golf game or my fishing. Either one's not doing well right now. So, But that's okay. And again, it will change, right? It'll eventually uh, be spring and it'll, we'll get there. So... The other thing I was excited about here is this Easter egg hunt thing. I'm, I'm pretty excited about that because I'm counting on some of these little kids not being able to find a few eggs. And so I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to have some chocolates here in a couple of weeks or some, some eggs. You know, the, I, know where, I think I know where all the hiding spots are, so I should be able to find a few eggs. What's that? Some money? Whoa. All right. Kids, parents, you, don't, you want to take your kids home. Get them out of here next Sunday right after the service. So, no, that's good. Palm Sunday. It is Palm Sunday this week. I don't know about you, but as a church and a church family and even as a pastor, this is kind of like the one week where um, we all kind of realize week coming, right? It's a reality now and it's kind of a big deal. This is a big week coming up and, and we obviously we have more services, right? We have Today we'll have Palm Sunday and then we'll have Good Friday service and then we'll have sunrise service. And then, of course, Easter next week, and then there's the making the meal. Usually family comes over and has a big meal afterwards. But it's a, it's a big deal. Um, I was told off when I first got into ministry, they said, Pastor, the one Sunday you can't miss is Easter. You can skip some other Sundays, you know, that they're all right if you're gone. But Easter, you better be there. This is an important week, and it is an important week. And then as I look at this week, and I don't know about you if you ever looked at it or not, but it's a week of highs and lows, right? If you think about it, it rides uh, today Palm Sunday, right? It's a joyous entry of Jesus, and so it's at a height of the ministry. And then Friday comes, and he's being crucified. And then Sunday comes, and he's resurrected. And again, so it's that up and down. Now, if your life is anything like mine, I have those weeks, Right? Sometimes I have those days. I mean, it can all happen in one day, right? Some of you may say, well, it might even happen this morning, right? You've gone from highs and lows this morning. So it's, it's not uncommon to go through these emotions, but it's hard sometimes on us, right? To, to go through them, to work through them, and to keep perspective. And so my hope is, as we're going through Easter, let's not lose perspective, right? This time of year is a remembrance for us believers that Jesus rose for us, right? He had to go to the cross for our sins. It's the only means of salvation that we have, and so let's not lose that focus. Now, that being said, Palm Sunday is kind of cool for pastors because, you know what, I have one of four versions or four chapters I can pick from. Palm Sunday, I don't know if you realize, are in all four Gospels, and so I could pick and choose any one of them. And I've been in Matthew, and so for this morning I picked Luke just to be a little bit different. I don't know why, but I just picked Luke. And so we're going to look at Luke this morning, chapter 19. But like I said, all the Gospels have Palm Sunday, the entrance of Jesus into Jerusalem. And I would encourage you this week to go back and look at one of the other versions because they all have a, a little bit of different detail to them, Right? They all have a different perspective. They're all written to a different audience. And so it's good to look at all of them from time to time because you get a little bit better idea of what's taking place. Again, none of them are wrong, just different perspective. Right? 
I guarantee if I did a poll this morning on what last Sunday looked like and together, it was preached and the songs and all that, if I asked all of you individually and then I came together, you'd have different highs, different lows, different details. You would remember different things. You took away something. Maybe some of you weren't even here, and so you'd have to rely on someone else to tell you the account, which is what Luke's doing here, right? Luke wasn't there, so he's relying on Peter giving him this information. But they would all be different. You'd see things through a different lens, and depending on where you were last week, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, and all those things, and physically, obviously, you'd have a different perspective on how even Sunday went. It's the same thing here with the account, but they're all there. So, let's get into Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Again, this is at the end of his ministry. He spent three years. He's been teaching his disciples. He's gone through highs and lows with them. And now it's coming to that point. The timing is right. He's starting to head towards Jerusalem. And he knows what's yet to come. So we pick it up in verse 28. It says, After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead going to Jerusalem As he approached Bethpage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it, says the Lord, say, the Lord needs it. Scarlett here is here this morning. I'm glad you're here, and she's our horse expert, in case you didn't know that or not. But Scarlett, if a horse has never been ridden, is that the one you want to get on first time? No? Especially a young one? No, 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 definitely not? Okay. I told Scarlett I was going to embarrass her at some point, but she's our resident expert. But that's not the ideal animal you want to ride in on, right? And again, we know it's a donkey, which donkeys are probably even another level of stubbornness to horses, although... I'm not sure. I mean, depending on the day. Can you imagine? But it's not likely. Can you imagine what's going through their minds, right? Think about the disciples first, right? Disciples are saying, all right, Jesus is entering in, right? He's the king of kings. You know, they've been following him. Now, yet they know what's to happen, right? Jesus told them ahead of time what was going to take place. But yet, part of them is still looking to him to be that king, right? Kings don't ride in on colts. They certainly don't ride in on donkey colts. That's not the norm, right? That's a different purpose, right? A king would ride in, especially if he's going in to overthrow the Roman government. What would he be riding, most likely? I don't ask rhetorical questions. What do you think he'd be riding, right? Yeah, white, white stallion probably, yeah. A horse. Horse has been ridden before, right? Ready for battle. One that's been tested, right? So that's not the norm. And yet, disciples have to go on ahead. Some people have made notice that they were, he sent two of them, right? In case one faltered or probably because they needed a hand bringing the, this here, Right? This colt's not going to come willingly. It's not going to come by itself. It's going to want mom. It's going to want to stay where it's at, where it's comfortable. These are two strange men. And Jesus even knows there's going to be a question, right? You know, you folks, even if I knew you and I walked into your yard and 
if you were like me and happened to leave your keys in the vehicle, if I just walked in and grabbed your vehicle and started backing out of the driveway, you'd probably say, hey, Charlie, if you didn't just pick up 911 and say, hey, someone's stealing my vehicle, right? Well, in that day, it's, it's the equivalent, right? Donkeys were rare. It cost a lot to have them. It, it was it's like having a brand new truck. This is a future ride. Yet, they're going to go borrow it. And Jesus said, what a great day, and gives them the answer. He says, so the Lord needs it. What a great response. I'm not sure you guys would be as, as, as willing if I you know, went and took your vehicle and, you know, and said, well, Charlie, I'm not sure. How about you? Yeah. Maybe with some, uh, some things around it. What are you going to use it for? Some stipulations, right? So it's interesting that Jesus is using this. And again, he knows what's going to take place. He knows what's ahead. Verse 32 just shows us that a little bit more. It says, so they went. Though Those who were sent went ahead and found it just as he had told them. As he was untying the colt, its owners asked him, why are you untying the colt? And they replied, the Lord needs it. Right? Again, Jesus here, don't miss this, he's a prophet, right? He knows what's ahead. This is one of those times he's not, he's predicting the future. Again, this could have been a help to the disciples as well because Jesus has already told them what's going to happen in the future, and so it would have been a reminder, oh yeah, every time Jesus says that, it happens the way he says it. But we don't get to see that response other than just they're being obedient. And so they replied, the Lord needs it. And they brought it to Jesus. They threw their cloaks on the colt and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. Okay, so you got to get the picture here, right? Again, a cloak would be like a nice heavy, we're in Minnesota, paca. All right, I, I, I even worked hard to get the R in there, right? It's always one. It's always one. You know, there's a donkey in this story. Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. Not a penguin. There we go. Anyway. So they take their cloak and they put it over the donkey, right, to, to soften the ride, right? Scott, back me up. Bareback's not easy, right? And especially a young one, right? There's not a lot of fat on it. It's, yeah, it's tight, it's skinny. And so, again, this would have helped cushion the ride a little bit. And that's, that's fine and good, and we can see the logic behind that. But the fact that they were taking it down and putting it on the road ahead of them, that's a different story. This this, this Paca, is that better? Yeah, it, no, all right. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> yeah, it's a tough crowd this morning. It's valuable to them. This is their security. This is, they need this. This is part of their survival, right? And so for them to throw that down and lay it down was a sign of respect and honor, something you wouldn't do just for anybody, right? This, that had value to it, and to, to let something walk over it, Right, it's whatever else may happen to it is all part of it, right? It's it's part of that that respect they're paying. Again, there's crowds lined up along the road. This is a, a fairly long stretch, and they're there doing this, right? They're laying it down. Now, one of the other, I think it's John, and uh, it talks about the palm branches, which is where we get palm. Sunday, right? So not only were they pulling their clothes down, but they were also cutting branches and putting those out there. It's not in Luke's account, but it's, it's in one of the other Gospels. Again, we get another detail. 
but all of it is part of that respect and honor they're paying Jesus. And don't forget, what's yet to come, right? This same crowd is going to turn on him. And Jesus knows all this, yet he's allowing it to happen, and it's part of the preparation. Verse 37, it says, When he came near the place where the road goes down to the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they have seen. I like this verse. This verse is kind of key here because it gives us a, a glimpse of the motivation, right? And sadly, they missed it, really, right? They're praising God for the miracles they had seen, right? Now, Jesus came and did miracles. No denying it. That's in our scriptures. We know that. It's, it's, he does many of those. He did also a lot of healing. He fed them. He raised Lazarus from the dead. He did a lot of things, but is that the only reason to praise him? Right? And again, step back for our own lives, right? Application time, right? When do we praise God? Do we only praise him when he gives us what we want? He answers the prayer the way we want it? answered? Do we only praise him when things are going good? And I, I'll let that one set for a minute because that one's, it's hard and I don't always do it either. And again, it's something and I'm reminded as I was reading and, and saying, oh man, I struggle with that. It's hard to praise God when you're in the middle of a, a bad time or in the middle of change, in the middle of things not going the way I thought they were going to go. And so these folks are praising only because of the miracles they had seen. Yeah, many of them have been fed. Many of them may have been touched, healed. Again, it says disciples, so these are close. These are people that have been walking with them, but they're praising him because of the miracles. If you read it quickly, you kind of lose that in there. But listen to their praise. Verse 38, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Right? Great praise song. Right? Again, one of the other gospels gives us Hosanna. And we have that, that Hosanna, praise God. Again, it's all part of that praise, that Jewish praise. And they even call him the king, right? Again, their mindset is he's coming to rescue them. He's coming to deliver them from the Roman Empire. That's what they're looking for. But he's not coming in like a normal king. He's coming in on a donkey. Some versions even say gentle and humbly. Right? You come in peacefully when you come in on a donkey. You're not coming in to do battle. And so that's part of the scene here that, that gets. But we have some other folks in the crowd. Right? It's not just the disciples. It's not just the people. Not just the followers. We see here in verse 39, we have some Pharisees, right? Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, teacher, rebuke your disciples, right? Now, why are they upset? Why, why are the Pharisees upset? There's a lot of reasons, right? Jealousy, that's probably a big one, right? 
There's the jealousy. There's the, he's claiming to be someone that they don't think he is, the Messiah, right? The praise that we've just heard, that we just read, is only to be done to the Lord. And so in essence, this crowd, even though they don't even realize it, don't even have the right motivation, they're acknowledging that this is the Messiah. And so the Pharisees are upset. And so they appeal to Jesus, rebuke your disciples, right? Tell them to knock it off and stop. Is really what they're saying. Interestingly enough, though, because of, and we know this as we read the story a little bit later on, they're intimidated by the crowd themselves, Right? At this point, they, I mean, they could have, they had the authority, they could have made them stop right then on the spot, but did they step up? No. Not get Jesus to do it, right? Get him to make them stop. And I say it's interesting because later on, right, they used the crowd against Jesus. They turned the crowd back against Jesus, and they're the ones that are crying for his crucifixion. Like I said, the story is full of highs and lows and ups and downs. Verse 40, I love, I love this verse. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. I think I mentioned this a few weeks ago. I did this as an as a illustration, but I got a rock and I mic'd it up. And I, I said, if we don't praise God, the rock may start praising God. And you know that rock never said a word the whole time. But again, Jesus was not standing there in front of them. But Jesus is basically saying, creation itself speaks to my name. Does Jesus have control over the weather? Right? Yeah, certainly, right? I mean, we saw it over and over again, right? He walks on water. I've tried that. I sink every time. Peter tried it. He only did it for a little while, and he only did it with Jesus' help, and then he sunk, Right? Jesus riding this colt, this unridden colt, and doesn't buck him off, doesn't throw him, doesn't misbehave. Again, Jesus has dominion over the weather. It bugs me sometimes when I hear Christians even say, you know, Mother Nature. I'm like, there's no Mother Nature. It's not there, right? God is in control of even that. So I have to be careful when I'm complaining about the weather, which I did earlier, Right? Not going to help the Pharisees in control of it. But the response, though, is not going to help the Pharisees, right? It's, it's going to anger them even more, right? But even the stones are going to cry out. Creation speaks to God, it worships God itself. Verse 41 And as he approached Jerusalem, he saw the city and he wept over it. I love that, right? Jesus has that compassion. Again, he knows what's going to take place. He knows all the things that they're going to do, right? Yet he has compassion for them. You say, well, at the moment they're praising him, but he knows what's yet to come, right? They're missing, they're missing the mark. They're not realizing what's taking place, what's about to take place. And so he weeps over them. I, Jesus is gentle, compassionate, Yet judge and ruler all in one. It's amazing. Uh, it's hard to emulate that and do it well. Verse 42, and it says, If you 
even you had only known on this day what would bring you peace. But now it's going to be hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. Right? Again, he's weeping because they've missed the the mark, they've missed the time, but he's also weeping because he knows what's yet to come. Many scholars have surmised and spent time thinking, wonder what would have happened if they would have accepted him right then and there as the Messiah. It's a great thought, right? You could spend a lot of time thinking on that, right? But Jesus says, you know, I'm here. I'm here now, and things could be different, right? For Jerusalem, certainly, it would have been much different if they had recognized him as the king, the Messiah. Not physically as much as spiritually, right? He says it would have brought you peace, right? That that peace of great understanding beyond our imagination, right? Right? But then he says, it's going to be hidden from you, right? He knows what's coming ahead. They're they're not going to see it. They don't see it. Some never do see it. And how tragic that is, right? They have the Son of God right there with them walking on this earth, and they miss the boat. You say, well, Charlie, that's that's good because we know what's coming, right? We, We know the cross, and we know the resurrection, and we know what's yet to come. But I also take it back to an application question. How many people today don't know Jesus is the Messiah? Right? We talked even last week, right, about the, the narrow gate. Everything goes through Jesus. Only Jesus is the way to eternal life. How many people do you know today that don't know Jesus? They don't know what he did on the cross. They may celebrate Easter, but they're celebrating it for Totally the wrong reasons. And the cute little bunnies and the Easter eggs. And again, nothing wrong with those in and of themselves, but it's not the real reason, especially for us that believe. And you can read on to the story, and hopefully this week you'll, you'll get an idea. And if you can come out to the Good Friday service, it's a great time of fellowship together. But, you know, look at the, the road that Jesus had to go. Again, the highs the lows, and then Sunday we'll be back to the resurrection. And again, that's where our hope is, that's where the gospel is, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So, as we wrap up this morning's Palm Sunday, say, Charlie, it's gotten kind of heavy this morning. Well, you know what? It's a heavy story sometimes. Right? It's a good time to reflect. You know? It's a good time to, to say, how's my praise going? How's, how's my praise going? How am I doing? And then also, how's my compassion? How's my compassion for others? And then lastly, of those that I know that don't know Jesus, how can I share him with them? So some thoughts to think of on this Palm Sunday 
and Holy Week that's about to begin. Bow with me, please. Oh, gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for our word that we can go back and we can look through, Lord, what you went through on our behalf. And Lord, we can praise you for your goodness and your mercy on us. Lord, we can praise you for the salvation that we have through you. Taken upon our sins on that cross for us. And Lord, continue to spur us on to pray for those who are lost, to be willing and open and look for the opportunity to share you with others. May it become a burden on our hearts. And Lord, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.